welcome to episode 68 of Role Play Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Cordy Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands of the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. Beth the Bard is a writer, designer, streamer, and professional dungeon master. I first learned about Beth when she published She is the Ancient, an amazing gender-bent version of Curse of Strahd, and it's been a joy to follow her work ever since. Beth currently has a Kickstarter going for Daughters of Frankenstein, a super spooky 5e supplement that is inspired by all of your favorite classic horror stories. I'm pretty excited for it, and it was a pleasure to get to chat with Beth about both the supplement, her journey, and the plans to launch a publishing company. Speaking of Kickstarter, I owe y'all an update on Burnaway. If you're listening to this on the day the episode drops, it is the last day to back the campaign that I am a project manager for. As of the time of my recording, we're unfortunately not looking too good on hitting our funding goal this time around, which is definitely a bummer. But as this is a business podcast and I want to be real with y'all, I didn't want to just pretend like it's not happening. While I, of course, can hope for a last-minute miracle to hit the funding goal, Nagi and I are already chatting about what we can do differently next time, and just kind of all of the different factors that went into February of this year not being a great month to try to compete with the whole bunch of zine quests. (laughs) We still 100% want to publish this game. Like I said, there's a lot of factors we think contributed to our inability to fund this time, but we are committed to finding ways around that for the next time that we try. And hey, who knows? We still have a day left. Anything could happen. If you do want to keep updated on our progress, the easiest way would be to go ahead and back the game now, even if it's just for a dollar. You won't be charged if we don't fund, but you'd still get to see any updates that we publish to backers in the future as they come out. Regardless of how we get this game to the finish line, we will let everybody in the first attempt know about everything we do along the way. And lastly, before we get started with today's interview, I, of course, have to shout out my favorite tea business, Friday Afternoon Tea. This is an amazing nerdy business that makes the best tea. The shop is owned by a wonderful human that I interviewed all the way back in episode six. You can snag tea gift cards, join a monthly book club that has tea pairings, or if you're in the Seattle area, they also offer custom blending sessions. We are affiliates with them, so if you go to FridayTea.com and use the code LIGHTHEART, A-D-V. You'll get 10% off your order, help a wonderful business, and also enjoy some delicious nerdy tea. Thanks for hanging out. Enjoy this chat with Beth. Hello, friends. I am here with the amazing writer-designer, Beth the Bard. What's up, Beth? Hello. I'm here. (laughs) Yeah, that's what that's what's up is I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel that it is a Monday and uh, Mondays are hard. It's and Monday? You... It is Monday. We were just talking about that. That's right. <laughs> I know, you're like literally just came from something else. And you're like, no, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm like, sorry, but I love it. <laughs> Hot mess unite. Yes. Uh, so to kick things off. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you got into gaming? Yes. I am from Seattle, I guess I could say now, because I've lived here the longest since having my 
first baby. Um, before then, it was like, I don't know, all over the place. But yeah, I'm a Seattleite. Uh, I am also a mother of four children. And that is actually how I got into gaming was we were watching Stranger Things and we were like, that looks nerdy. And uh, as a family, we love playing games because we just we all connect over that. And so we got into D&D and then I almost immediately started running it professionally because uh, my kids homeschool co-op. It was like the perfect place to just start running it. And they were like, here's money for doing that. And I was like, okay. And then now I <laughs> do that full time and have for a few years. <laughs> so um, that's how I got into gaming. Not so much video gaming. I'm still trying there. But uh, TTRPGs, yeah, big time now. <laughs> so when you first started out with your family, like, were you the first DM? Oh, God, yeah. I started out as DM. I've been DM forever. I have played, I can count the amount of times I've played on my two hands. That is, yeah. Always the DM. I also had no idea what I was doing when we first started, and I was so confused. I couldn't figure out what a D6 or a D20 was, <laughs> and so it took me, like, a long time, and I just had to watch some actual plays on YouTube to figure it out, because I'm a hands-on learner. Like, I can't just, I just can't read things and absorb anything from it. I have to do things hands-on. So that is, um, you know, a little bit of an issue in this community because it's very book-based and like read and run. And it's like, no, wait, what? So, yeah. There's been one game so far that I ran it before playing it. And it was like a game that I was working on as a project. So I had to, and I was like, I don't like this. I would rather be the player first and then the DM. I don't, right? what am I? I'm sorry, I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's intimidating when you're not like, when you don't have the story just kind of in your head ready to go. That's why I always say when people get into dungeon mastering, game mastering and stuff to just run like a TV episode or a movie or something that you really love or a book because you're already immersed in it enough that you could just, you can run it. You're there, you're in the world and you know the storyline generally. So a lot easier <laughs> than trying to like, Oh, what is this high fantasy thing? Yeah. <laughs> At least for me. Yeah. No, but I think that's really good advice. That makes a lot of sense. So there's definitely been a lot of books and shows lately that I'm like, I want to run a campaign following right. the storyline. <laughs> I think that's that's the thing that happens when you get into like game mastering and creating content in the community is every single thing you're like, oh no, that could be that could be a one shot. <laughs> Everything's work then. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. We're just gonna shelf that. <laughs> okay, so you started uh, doing like local game mastering right after figuring it out with your family. Mm -hmm. Walk me through what happened next. Then volunteering with like the library system, and then and then COVID, you know, came in, and I was like, oh, this is great this career I just built is already over. And then I discovered there was a whole internet world of D&D. &D. And so after being in D&D &D and making a living on it for a couple of years, I then discovered that D&D &D Twitter and stuff existed. I was like, there's other adults that play this. Wow. So it was real wild coming in and being like, hi, I know I look new here. I'm new here, but I'm not new. <laughs> so, yeah, and then it was the same year that I joined the, 
quote unquote adult community, which sounds real, <laughs> it's the adult D&D community. It, that's when I published She is the Ancient. And that kind of, that's where I got into the actual content creation side of things. And it is addicting. I like it a lot. <laughs> so I know that we are going to spend most of our time talking about uh, Daughter Frankenstein and things, <laughs> but I do want to talk about She is the Ancient. It's funny because you published that like two months after I started a Strahd campaign and went like, hmm, can I just like start over? Because I really want to run this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like how long did that take you to create? Okay. Are you ready? Uh, ready. I started it, like opened the document and started it. And then published it in 30 days. Holy shit. <laughs> and that is what we like to call ADHD hyperfixation. <laughs> I did not see my family a single bit that month. I did not leave my chair. I think I forgot to eat. But 30... And I, I gave my... Because, you know, um, if, if, you, if anyone listening struggles with ADHD you know there's like techniques to get yourself to do the things that you want to do one of those things is deadlines and you can't just be like oh this is the deadline I'm going to give myself you have to make it a dire deadline so I sent a whole bunch of money to Ginny D to advertise it for me on like it was like August 2nd or, or the end of I can't remember what, when it was but I was like this is the date and she was like okay this is when it's going out. So I guess uh, get me the stuff when you've got it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get it to you in a minute. I was like, okay, I'm going to make the book now. Um, <laughs> and so I gave myself that deadline. Funny enough, I actually did it several months before. And then, of course, procrastinated and was like, you know what? That's due in a month. I should probably maybe get on that. <laughs> so I did. Yeah, I just, I actually wrote the book directly in layout because again I'm a very hands-on learner and a hands-on creator as well because like I'm I'm a designer and everything to me it just has to visually speak and stuff in order for me to even connect with it and if I can't connect I can't create blah 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 so I wrote the book while building the layout and then once that was completely done, I had to go through and copy all the text and move it over to a Google Doc so that I could send it to my sister-in-law to edit it for me. So, <laughs> yeah, kind of wild. Okay. How about, <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, that feels like having to do double the layout work. <laughs> it kind of, kind of was, kind of was, yeah. I just, I don't think I would have been able to write it otherwise, though. Mm -hmm. That's been the most difficult thing about the newest project is I haven't been able to do that because we made it more collaborative. We brought in other writers and stuff. And I'm like, okay, we're going to, we got these and then we're going to edit it. And then we're going to take the words. And we're going to start design. So yeah, that's, it's been yeah, different. <laughs> Did you have a background in like layout and design before this? A little bit. So I, okay. <laughs> I designed guilds on Neopets as a kid. That was my favorite thing in the whole world. Basically was my early blogging days. And then uh, going into a, uh, adulthood, I actually, I had my first kid 
pretty young. So I started adulthood pretty early and immediately got into blogging and website design directly pulled from all the time I spent in Neopets building guilds. And so I did a lot of blogging stuff and kept building communities in there. I actually, I, I still run a couple of blogs that are like my side businesses that bring in um, some passive income and stuff like that. I got one in the homeschooling niche and, and stuff because, you know, I was homeschooling. Like, oh, I'm still homeschooling. But yeah, I don't focus on that 100% of the time anymore. Yeah. And then I just I also just really love building websites like a lot. Like I sit and do it for fun. It's kind of ridiculous. And then, oh no, not losing train of thought. I also, with my homeschooling business, I created a magazine series for it where I would have people submit writing and then we'd get it edited and I'd build the, I'd build the layout and create these publications and then send them out with the subscriptions and everything. So all of that is kind of, I had to follow whatever I was interested in because I tried to go to school for graphic design because I was like, oh, I want to, I'm already doing design. I want to make a career out of this, I guess. So I'll go to school for it. And it was so boring and I was failing out because I was like, I just don't want to focus on drawing some naked guy in this, this classroom. Like, how is this going to help me design websites? I don't understand. So I quit and I uh, have been a, a professional designer since, but I don't make my income on that except for when I feel like it. I'll just... Somebody will be like, hey, you want to do this thing? And I'll be like, mm, sure, okay. And then I'm a professional designer for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that like figure drawing or life drawing would be part of graphic design. Courses. Yep, to get a degree in graphic design, you have to go through prerequisites and stuff, including like drawing one, two, and three, which includes wow. like anatomy drawing and all that. And I was like... Oh, <laughs> like I get, okay, you need to be able to draw, but I don't, I don't know. That's just, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I quit it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. <laughs> but I can see now kind of like why I, you know, that like the fact that you do have experience with designing and making layouts, how it would just make so much more sense to be able to say like, this is what we're talking about and this is where it's going to go. And like right mm -hmm. from the beginning. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Okay, so I know she is the ancient came out. What was the inspiration for that? So when I first got into D and D, um, I was looking at you know the different options. Uh, I thought it was only Lost Mine of Fan Delver, and then DIY from there. It turns out no, there's whole books dedicated to different campaigns, and I was like, is that a um a vampire book? And you know my inner vampire heartthrob self was immediately enamored and then I read it and was like oh no oh it's a little bit misogynistic uh <laughs> so I I and I tell this story like pretty much every time I end up talking about this I started out by being like okay let's have fun with this and I just straight up gender bent the whole thing which funny enough when you just gender bend something like that it's ridiculous and it's at that moment that you realize how ridiculous the original is also, but because it's like the women being like, oh, no, no, 
and like all this stuff. It, it It's not actually ridiculous. That's normal. And it's like, oh, I hate society. Um, So after running it a couple times as like my spoof gender bent thing, I was like, actually, why don't we sit down and just rewrite some stuff and maybe try to run a serious campaign and get some serious NPC ideas going. And yeah, that's, uh, and it was just a whole bunch of running that for different groups and picking what I liked as I went. Yeah, I really appreciate the kind of alternate motivations, if you will, <laughs> you put into that. <laughs> Not just like, oh, I'm going to wipe out all of the women in your whole town because you guys are assholes. Like, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I said, I started my own Curses to John campaign like a couple months before yours came out and already was like, I kind of want to gender bend this. And then used Reddit and then your supplement came out and was like, okay, what can I grab from this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then, I mean, gosh, that came out, what, like what, two, two years ago? 2021. Somehow. I know, I'm like. <laughs> Feels like it was a couple months ago, personally, but all right. <laughs> Right. And I'm so like mad at myself that it took me one month to make that book. And it has taken like two years since to do this Frankenstein supplement. But here we are. (laughs) Did Daughter of Frankenstein start like right after that? Yep. Yep. Uh As a Lamordia supplement, it was it was going to be for DMs Guild Lamordia up until just a couple months ago we decided maybe we shouldn't give wizards all this IP because a lot of this is stuff we built from scratch and just used stuff from Van Richten's guide as like a like inspiration jumping points and all of this is Frankenstein fan fiction so like no I think we're gonna keep it (laughs) (laughs) so we did a little bit of a reroute and then I was like well this works because I can't actually finish the book because I ran out of money I spent like as of a couple months ago, I was already like 5000 into paying writers, buying art, all this stuff. And I haven't even like started. Well, no, I did start some layout, but I haven't gotten seriously into layout and things like that. And I still have to pay some of my writers and we need some more and all this stuff right now. I was like, I can't spend any more money. I I'm out. I'm dry. And the fact that it was going to be like 50% everything, everything to wizards after spending that much, I was just I was. I was fried by the whole idea of it because, yeah. So then I was like, okay, since we're going to do it this way, maybe we kickstart it and then we can actually finish this. I can take time off of DMing for a month to work on layout and things like that. And two weeks later, I launched the Kickstarter. (laughs) Because ADHD, we never do things the way we're supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like... The thing is, I when you look at your Kickstarter page, like, no, it does not look like you would have only made it two weeks ago. <laughs> you can definitely tell that y'all have been working on this for a while. Okay, before we dig too much further into the details, for the sake of our listeners, what is Daughter of Frankenstein? Daughter of Frankenstein is a horror mystery campaign for 5th edition. It is kind of... I don't know if, if anybody has familiarity with uh, like the Red Opera and stuff with the the way that it's built very narratively in like in acts and stuff instead of like dungeon crawls. Granted, we do have some dungeon crawls. I'm not saying we don't, but 
this horror mystery is very much built in a narrative three-part act series. And so you, we've got our main storyline and then side quests to build onto those. But it takes place after the story of Frankenstein. And then also rather than using the real world, which is where the story took place originally, we created Promethea and stuff, pulled from Prometheus, because Frankenstein's called the modern Prometheus. And it flowed because I was like, well, what's Lamordia? Now it's Promethea. Yay! Vibing! So it, it takes place after Frankenstein's creation and everything that went wrong with that. And it's it throws players into the setting where like all the repercussions have already been been building up over all this time. And it being called Daughter of Frankenstein is actually kind of like a, a threefold meaning. And one of them I absolutely cannot say because it is such a spoiler if I do. But, you know, we've got Victoria Frankenstein, daughter of Victor Frankenstein, who is very prominent in Promethea. And then uh, we've got... We actually haven't officially settled on a new name for the woman that's on the on the cover of the book. She was originally Elise, but then we had to, you know, change all of that and uh we've got we've got such a cool thing for that faction in particular. Um the created is what they're called. What Victor had originally made launched a new species essentially called the created and so they're like a whole faction in Promethea and there's other stuff going on within the city and outside of the city lots of inspirations which I could go into but yeah it's a horror mystery taking place after Frankenstein and really horrific things are happening unless you figure what out what they are and you stop them so it's one of those uh, type of stories where things are going on in the background, whether you like it or not. So you can do what you want as adventurers. You do whatever you want. But like the events are still happening unless you can, you know, throw a wrench in them. So that is that is what it is. <laughs> Was that cohesive? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Hey, we have a time for you to go in as much detail as you want, and I want to know all the details. because This is why I bring my partner everywhere. He's so eloquent. <laughs> like, he, he's so good at talking. I'm like, you you tell him, babe. Tell him what's going on. <laughs> so I am curious about the transition period of, like, you published She is the Ancient, and then... How long did it take before you started working on this? She's the Ancient got published. And then I just remember I was like going through Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And I was like, man, I just, I love it so much. Like, I just love horror, especially like classic horror, things inspired by other things, you know. Um, and I just, I love fan fiction. You know, I have a bunch of people that got mad at me about Curse of Strahd. They're like, make something original. Don't come after our beloved Strahd. And I'm like, I love fan fiction. Shut up. So I was just looking at this and I was like, wouldn't it be great if we could have a whole book for each one of these? And then I was like, oh, okay, let's do that. 
And so Lamorty was the first one we started. Is that the goal? That there'd be a book for each one? It, it was the goal. I'm not so sure anymore because there are a few of the domains that aren't actually interesting enough to me to be able to create. Yeah. And like, I have to be able to connect. So, and then plus relaunching things in a different direction, taking it out of Ravenloft and making our own thing. <laughs> we ended up basically creating our own little um, horror verse with its own set of rules and histories and um, things happening. And it is so exciting. And I didn't realize how exciting it would be to create my own fan fictions from scratch. <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely going to be more publications, but they're going to be probably outside of DM's Guild. That is fair. <laughs> reasons <laughs> you know like i'm honestly really appreciative uh that you like went into the decision to do kickstarter instead of dm's guild like it i feel like that makes a lot of sense and is it's gonna make it so much easier to finish it <laughs> yeah that too yeah like that's making a book is really expensive like it is and I think that like DMs Guild culture in some way, and I, I call it a culture because there's like, it's like a very specific universe that DMs Guild authors live within. And I love them all. I love all my fellow authors. There's something about the way things are done there, though, that is, I feel very toxic. The fact that because we, we're not allowed to crowdfund, we're not allowed to make any kind of money on these books outside of DMs Guild means you have to do everything out of pocket. And so that means if you if you want to work as a team, like most books do, you either have to pay out of pocket or what actually happens in the community is it's like, hey, I need a writer. You'll make, you know, 3% of each sale on the book. And it's like, no, that's mm -hmm. not okay. So everyone in this community is just kind of okay with taking pennies and thinking that they can pay rent with that and you know like I did I did layout for a book one time and they were like okay we're gonna definitely hit you know x metal bestseller and you'll make x amount of percentage and I was like okay I do the math that's eh, a little low for the amount of layout design but I'll do it I'm still trying to make a name for myself mm -mm. It, it no no I've made like made like a hundred dollars on it I'm like, no! So, yeah, it, it bothers me that that it's built on such a, yeah, give me your work. And um, I guess if it goes well, you'll get something back. Thank you. So it's not that's not actually how I've been doing it, with the exception of, and I'm, I like to just be super blatantly honest about everything. Two of my writers have not been paid yet. They are close friends, though. <laughs> And I'm like, can I, can I just get it to you? And yeah, does that work? They're like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but all the other writers have been paid on delivery of writing or paid in increments after delivery of writing. When I was like, can I do this over like four months? Because it's like $2,000. <laughs> so they've all been paid, not as much as I would like. Everyone's been paid seven cents a word. But because we're going to be doing this outside of DMs Guild now, they're all going to get a bonus if it funds to bring it up to the preferred 10 cents a word, which I know is still, it's not the best payment, but it is considered like the industry standard currently. So I'm like, okay, that's what we can do until 
we get off the ground further and we just, cause this is also going to launch Bard House Media, which is my partner and I created it as like a indie publishing company kind of thing where we're going to be building all of these different projects. And yeah, the whole purpose of it is to really help new writers and new creators get off the ground and get their work out there and get their voices heard and that's going to be where most of our emphasis is. And so going the Kickstarter route means we can actually fund that as well, create more projects, stimulate the TTRPG economy some more. And yeah, so I just, I feel like it's better all around. And I wish that DMs Guild could figure out a way to open some stuff up so that that community was able to flourish more and pay their bills. Yeah, it is always really unfortunate where it's like, okay, even like, hey, cool, we hit this medal. That's still not much. Like, yeah, because there's still only so much you can charge. Yeah, Um, I really respect the decision to move away from that and get to get your own publishing company out going. That's awesome. It is been a dream for a long time I just didn't think that we'd actually do it and we'll see how it goes (laughs) if we fund then it's definitely going (laughs) yeah (laughs) so when you started working on this uh, because you're reading uh, Van Richten's guide and thought this would be really cool to write the fan fiction supplement for it when did you decide to bring on additional writers or team members That is a really good question, because my partner and I, we were just going to write it, the two of us, alone. And then at some point, we just, like, schedules were busy. We were needing to work and make money, and that was not doing it. And we were getting just kind of overwhelmed by the whole project. So I ended up bringing in somebody else and was like, hey, do you want to do some of the writing? And they were like, yeah, let's do that. And then I had friends that were like, Hey, we're trying to make our break in the community. So I'm putting my portfolio out and I was like, come on in, let's do this. Let's make it a whole group thing. Like I couldn't resist. So, and now it's just a big ass group project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have a really awesome looking team that you have compiled over the last two years. I, I guess. adore them so much. Like all of them so much. <laughs> Hey, entrepreneurs, I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page, where you'll gain access to behind the scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now back to the show. What has it been like to collaborate on the writing and how, like also just your vision for the art and the cartography and all of that fun stuff. So different things, right? Like uh, collaborating, like everybody's work is brilliant. Um, I'm extremely impressed with what has been created so far. Uh, As far as collaborating from a management standpoint, um, I done fucked up this one. (laughs) Like I managed this so poorly. Like now, now it's all, we're all organized and stuff like that. But over that time period, I had no idea. I had no idea how to build a team for making a book. I had no idea how to organize any of it. 
I couldn't even figure out contracts until this last year. I was like, okay, contracts. Yeah, those are important. Let's get those uh things like that right. So I have learned so much <laughs> about what not to do <laughs> and also what to do, but a lot more about what not to do. So the next book project is going to go so freaking smooth because of that. And I guess that's good? Question mark? <laughs> There's always a learning curve, no matter what it is that you're doing. There's always things that you're like, oh, that makes sense. Should have right? thought of that before. <laughs> and it's not like anybody in the community is really teaching how to do this either. So I'm like, you kind of just have to jump in and figure it out and then... Through the process, uh, my partner and I also started TTRPGUniversity.com, which is just a rebrand of my original hashtag game school thing that I created for kids in the community. But I'm like, okay, part of TTRPG University is we're going to teach everybody everything we've learned so that they don't have to figure it out themselves. Uh, everybody can just jump in and start creating and making beautiful things and filling the community and stuff like that. So, Yeah. Yeah, Kickstarter is the next thing that I'm going to have lots of advice on what to do and what not to do. Mostly what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> Going through that right now myself. So I'm like, all right, lessons have been learned. <laughs> lessons learned. Yep. Uh, so there are a few things from the description on the Kickstarter page that I'm curious about. Ew. And yeah, so there's a mention that you are making the book ADHD friendly and... I want to know what that means. So, like I was saying earlier, how this community is kind of not conducive to hands-on or visual learners. Uh, it's very like, here's a book. There's, you know, 300 pages and it's walls of text. Immerse, enjoy, run it. And I'm like, I can't. I literally cannot. So all my design processes are very intuitive. I would never be able to teach design to anyone because I literally sit down, I look at the screen, I'm like, what feels good? And then I do that. And that's what I did with like, she is the ancient. And so for me, I was like, okay, this is ADHD friendly because it's, you know, got lots of, lots of artwork and the text is broken up in certain ways, which is something I learned from blogging too, is lots of broken text to help people be able to like read a long page and not get bored or not gl eyes glaze over that kind of thing. So I pulled that into layout design as well. And just being able to try and capture and keep attention of people reading the content, but also the way the content is organized in a more intuitive for hands-on learners and visual learners kind of way. The way that like a visual D&D books are organized is terrible. <laughs> it's uh, I'm amazed that anybody's been able to read one and comprehend any of it. I literally have to copy all the words from D&D Beyond and put it into Speechify, which is an app, and then listen to it while I'm like walking and do all sorts of like gymnastics to understand the content. So I want to make every single thing through Bardhouse Media very visually pleasing and intriguing to look at, comprehensive to understand, easy to keep organized. Like our handouts and stuff are going to, it's like a separate, like they're going to be in there, but then here's the separate thing that you can print and think, just ways to help keep DMs organized. 
And then we want to definitely, if again, if we can get this funded, there's going to be audio inclusion as well for people that want to be able to see the pictures, see the words, and have it told to them. So just lots of different ways to try and make it easier for people to absorb and enjoy and run the content. So when you say audio, as in like an audio book? Yes, I would say audio books just as they are is kind of difficult for TTRPG books because of like tables and things like that and like stat blocks. So yes, no, I'm actually still figuring that out. What I'm imagining so far is kind of like, uh, like I have a lot of experience building uh, and running e-courses. So K-commerce stuff through blogging. And that's what I'm trying to build on TTRPG University right now too. I just keep running out of time. But I imagine if I if I had a magic wand, we would have uh, a website specifically dedicated to this little horror universe thing we're starting up or have it on Bardhouse Media. I don't know. Haven't decided yet. And kind of have a like an audio breakdown of the book almost kind of built out e-course style where you can go around and, and chapter by chapter and find what you need easier and kind of come up with a way to do stat blocks that way. And I genuinely have no idea, but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to (laughs) figure out how to make it work for me. And if it works for me, then it'll work for other people like me. (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) That is definitely a puzzle for some of those things. Initially, we'll probably just do a read-through audiobook, like a regular one, just so that that is at least done. But then, obviously, we got to make something a little bit easier to work with. Yeah. That would be interesting. Like, I'm a visual person. Like, I prefer visual over audio. But I'm also, like, you were saying earlier in that tactile, I got to do it in order to understand it. Yep. When you're hands-on, sometimes it's got to be all of the senses. <laughs> yeah. And, but like my husband will literally just like sit there and load rule books on his tablet and just read, just read I rule books. I mean, I'm amazed that anybody is able to do that. I will never understand. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I finally got him to read a novel for the first time in like three years, like, I'm, like last week. And I'm like, okay, I can talk to you about this one. The other one, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's different. It's such like dense a lot of mechanical stuff. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think if TTRPG supplements were written partially like novels, that would be very helpful to people. Like, like the first time I ran Witchlight, I had to run it all the way through without having read the book in order to hands-on learn how to run it. So I was running it and learning it at the same time. And I just remember getting to different chapters like the Palace of Heart's Desire. And I'm like, where is Igglewilf? What is the story here? Who are these guys? Wait a minute. Where was this? And it's like, it's because none of it's written out in like story form. It's all like you, you just, here's the room. Here's the mechanics. Here's who is here. And you're like, wait, who is that though? So if there were like just some chapters, just some backstory I can read and then get into the mechanics, that would be so helpful. I hundred percent. I feel the same way where it's like you're in chapter two, and it like mentions the name, and you're like, okay, I think I'm following the story. And then you don't see that name for another 80 pages. And you're like, wait, who was that? Exactly. <laughs> it's wild. 
So is it safe to say that there might be some like story context setting? Oh in my god, Daughter yes. Frankenstein. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey. <laughs> oh yeah, some some fan fiction built in. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know if it's too like spoilery, and if it is, you can tell me now. But I'm curious about like maybe a little hint or preview about the new subclasses or backgrounds. So that is my partner. <laughs> I basically what I do because uh, because I am uh, crap at mechanics. I'm just going to say that now. He is my logic side of the partnership. He is the mechanics guy. Every time I'm like, oh, we're going to do this. And I just like start fiction building things. He's like, OK, that's great, honey. And he takes it and he's like we're gonna rework this a little for people to actually be able to play it. Okay. So basically I was like, I want subclass options to do things like, you know, having, um, having detectives and, um, morticians and, oh gosh, I'm blanking so hard. We've got like basically all sorts of inspirations from like Penny Dreadful, including some of the supernatural stuff. And a lot of inspiration also from Boston. I don't know if you've ever seen it's a it's an it's a TTRPG and their archetypes are so beautiful. I was like, we gotta make some some subclasses kind of based on this. So you got like the doctor and the occultist and things like that. So I'm like, here's what I want, and it feels pretty to me. Make something. Thank you, honey. And so that's what he's been doing. So yeah. I guess I'll find out exactly what those are when we <laughs> go to finish this. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's does bring me back to wanting to know, like, what the breakdown has been between, like, what you've still been writing versus, like, what you've brought in the help to do it. I can tell he's doing the mechanics. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, across the writing team. What's that breakdown, Ben? So, oh, again, remember? Chaos utter chaos. What we did was we're like, we want to make a thing. And um, I'm feelings based. And I was like, I want it to be like this. And then people were like, okay. And then they're like, is is this is this good? I made a thing. And I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. What a beautiful baby. Let's, let's add on and tweak. And, and now it, it is adventure, you know? So um, it has been a freaking mess. But everyone has been so patient. And um, yeah, we've all just been kind of writing a little bit of everything and passing things around. I would say the last writer I hired is probably the most organized way I did things. And um, I was like, here are some islands. And here is a um, monastery cult kind of situation. Here's like some of the story concepts we have for it. I want it to have these inspirations have at and she was like got it and <laughs> built something beautiful so that was I was like oh okay this is how the next book is gonna go we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have things planned ahead of time <laughs> I mean I planning is my day job so it's like I get it but also <laughs> there does tend to be a point where like you know it you have to have some flexibility. You have to be like, oh, but oh my God, what about this new crazy idea I just had? Let's go yes. with that. And then, you know, goodbye to your plan. But hey, you did something cool. It's like DMing or GMing, right? You're like, here's the <laughs> basic idea of what we're doing. 
But mm. if you want to do something, I'm going to say you can certainly try. <laughs> I'm way easygoing. Let's let's make it happen. And then we all build the story together. <laughs> I love it. I want to switch gears a little bit because I want to dig into TTRPG University a bit. Okay. Because I'm just like really curious because I think that you're right and that there is this huge hole <laughs> out in our community on like how to do the things. What kind of thing do you want to do? Like, and so just looking at it, it looks like you have one course out, one course about to come out. So neither one of them are out yet. The first one was okay. supposed to be out like last month, but then all this. So I launched this the same exact time that the um the whole debacle happened with 5e and everything exact same time frame so i was like yeah let's get these e-courses going let's get this started and then all of that happened and then we were like okay we got to reroute and think about the book a little bit and what we're doing and then that became such a focus that i have not been able to get those up yet but they're basically done i just have to take like five minutes after the campaign is done and refocus because you know focus and stuff yeah we've got a couple of e-courses already essentially done but building them into the k-commerce system is like what takes the most amount of time so just got to finish that and get them up and the first one is about basically like a, a an intensive on game mastering which is taking you know like you got your your basics of how to GM. It's like, no, no, no. Okay, you know how to do it. Now, how do you organize it? How do you create content for your games? How do you do this or that and um, get to a level where you could feel comfortable being a professional game master and knowing how to kind of organize all your stuff and have everything functional and whatnot to ask for money for doing it. That's the first one that's already done. And it's one I've actually run for a lot of teenagers already, you know, minus the the whole be a professional at the end because they can't really do that yet. And then my partner made one on how to get into live streaming your actual plays because that was something that like I've only done one actual play, but I was so confused on what to do. I had no idea how Twitch worked at all and he is like really good at that stuff. He does Twitch production professionally sometimes. And and he's like, no, everybody knows how to do this. I was like, no, they don't. They really don't. Like, this is a very worthy course idea. So we built that and we've got other stuff. I've got um several totally free e-courses coming out, like the Total Beginner's Guide to D&D, stuff like that, things that I needed when I first got into it. I want to do that across the board for a bunch of different TTRPGs and different aspects of things to just help people dip their feet in whatever is interesting to them. But then, you know, the the bigger courses, uh, they are premium for two reasons. One, because, you know, a girl's got to eat um, <laughs> and mm -hmm. websites cost money, but also because we're building an affiliate program into TTRPG University as well. So like anybody could sign up to be an affiliate and make 50% of every sale on nice. whatever they sell. So if it's a $99 e-course, they're making half of that 
for every sale they make, which I was like, it's another way to help kind of stimulate the community and help other people be able to make a living here as well. So that was a really important thing that I wanted to do with that. And that, yeah, so all of that is there. It's just kind of uh, on pause at the moment, but it'll be, (laughs) (laughs) it'll be back up and going again. This is why people hire teams instead of trying to, you know, do everything in their bedroom corner. Like, yeah, we got this. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the bedroom corner is really comfortable though. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah. So for these courses, are they like, is it videos, written stuff, live? All of the above because ADHD. (laughs) It is. So they are broken down into small video segments, uh, complete with subtitles and printables to go with it and um, like handouts and things to enhance what you're learning and to practice things and all of the above for every single lesson, for every single module. Amazing. I'm sure it took a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I, I enjoy the crap out of it. Like I, my more professional background is in teaching. So, and that's still what I do. I'm a professional game master, but it's with kids and half of the time I'm teaching them how to do TTRPG stuff. So uh, that includes like right, how to write one shot campaigns and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm already doing this live on Zoom all the time. I know how K commerce and e courses work. I'm just gonna take it and put it over here so other people can have it too. That's so cool. <laughs> I feel like I could just nerd out and talk to you about that for an hour, but uh, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> One thing I'm curious about is how D and D in a castle came about. Oh gosh. I gotta remember. All right, totally shifting gears on you. <laughs> D&D. Oh, because I'm an educator. Yeah, that's right. I got involved with Sword and Scroll, which is like the virtual version of D&D in a castle, kind of, sort of. I got involved in Sword and Scroll because they were bringing in some Dungeon Master luminaries that were new to actually dungeon mastering. They've played a lot, but they wanted to run some games professionally. And I teach people how to run D&D and professionally. <laughs> so uh, they were like, yeah, you come on in and let's do that. And I was like, got it. And then they were like, you want to come do that at the castle too? And I was like, Yes, please. <laughs> and so, yeah, now I'm just part Obviously. of the team there. So, <laughs> uh, that's gonna be so fun. <laughs> How many sessions are you doing this year? I'm going out for one, the okay. July round. Okay, that's. I mean, hopefully, gonna be a warm month to be there. <laughs> right. I, it, England. <laughs> so that part of England, at least, uh, when we were there last time, feels exactly like Seattle. So I'm expecting yeah. <laughs> more of the same for summertime. <laughs> One can hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as we start to get towards the end already, uh, which is wild. One thing that I do like to ask everybody that comes on the show is that, you know, obviously we do this stuff because we love it, but uh, it's hard. There's a lot of challenges that come a lot. <laughs> about trying to make our way in this industry. So if you had to pick like one or two things, like what would you say has been some of the hardest stuff that you've had to deal with over the last couple of years? 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, that is a good question. Um, um, I will say one while trying to be as vague as humanly possible. Sometimes you get involved with people in this community and you get in on those projects with them and you get in real deep and then uh, the community finds out that they did some really bad things and then a lot of stuff that you worked really hard on kind of gets blown up. And uh, that is kind of hard is the... I don't even I don't even know how to explain like what the hard part of that is. It's trusting people has been weirdly difficult. Like I've been screwed over a lot by individuals as well as some companies. There's a lot of like when you get into this professionally, people will do anything to take advantage of you, especially if you're like real like shy <laughs> and and nervous and won't advocate for yourself. I have had some of my work like just straight up taken and not getting credit for it and seeing it all over the internet and being like, I can't even say anything about that because I don't want to make a stink. And mm. some problems with uh, uh, the quote unquote luminary men of the community. And I won't say any more there. Um, <laughs> so that has been the biggest thing for me is being taken advantage of in various ways in various situations from various angles of professionalism in the community that's the biggest one for me second biggest one is well second one I guess oh I don't know actually that might be it <laughs> I think that kind of over I was gonna say sometimes the pay sucks but you know that's people taking advantage of you I would say the diversity in this community is still a big struggle. There is a thousand white men to every like one woman or one person of color. No, to every like 20 women and one person of color. So um, that, uh, especially with my, my partner is black and we want to be kind of doing this stuff and and making sure we've got representation and we're creating space for people like us in the community and it is weirdly very difficult and i yeah that's a struggle i would say that that diversity is a big struggle and being taken advantage of is a big struggle so that's what i was yep yeah that's it yeah <laughs> Uh, those are two really, really big ones. Like, yeesh. I mean, I don't, I, I don't even know how to ask this question, but like, <laughs> I guess going back to the first one, is there anything that you do now to like try and protect yourself? Yes. <laughs> I ignore <laughs> my emails. No. <laughs> I guess it's like advice maybe on like how to avoid those things as best as you can. Like, I know it's so hard. It is really hard. It's something I still struggle with because I am very, very shy. And so it's like, I mean, even just in the last few months, things have happened, you know? So it's like, I can't even say like, oh, I definitely figured it out. But uh, there's been enough um situations uh some literal trauma in one situation 
where I now feel generally comfortable being like, okay, yes, I would love to be a part of this. How many other women are going to be involved? Um, is there, do you have safety precautions set up for the women that are involved in this? You know, asking for the simple things like, will you pay me for this? <laughs> uh, if I sign this contract that says you're going to pay me for the work I submit, are you actually going to do that? And what, you know, like looking into how to actually deal with that when they don't, or I guess just advocating for myself has been the only way to kind of navigate this. And I'm not good at it yet. I won't pretend I am. The other one is just being extremely picky and kind of asking other people's inside advice on stuff before getting involved. Yeah, I feel like that's really all you can do. <laughs> just try, like, ask people that have worked with us before and uh, just try to advocate for yourself as much as you can, which is also just hard. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the reason I want to create safe spaces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, on a more positive note, <laughs> looking back over the last couple of years, uh, what would you say has been some of the most rewarding things that have happened? Oh my gosh, all the friends I've made here, like, so many of the people here are incredible. So for every, you know, piece of shit person that I've had to put up with, there is definitely so many more beautiful people that I am so glad that I get to be a part of their life in any way. And being able to create is so fulfilling seeing your work out there, having people be like, oh, this affected me in this way. This felt good for me because of this. You know, here's what I took this thing you made and did differently to create even further upon it with my groups. And it's like, it's so beautiful. I just love creating and creating with people and for people and all I, I just, all I want to do is make pretty things and just keep like throwing it in. Like, here's another one. I, I liked it. I hope you do too. Uh, he, here's another one. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, as we do have to find out, obviously we've got Daughter of Frankenstein is like the big thing. It is currently out on Kickstarter. Uh how much longer do we have on this campaign? We uh, have until the end of March, thankfully. And we have okay. hit, oh, just about hit the 50% funded. So, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I bit the bullet and paid for some. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to run this Kickstarter without spending any money. Uh, apparently, you can't do that. So I went ahead and spent <laughs> some money. And there'll be some more um, people talking about it within the next week. So we, we should definitely be able to hit our goal before the end of March. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, are there any other upcoming projects that you're excited about that we haven't talked about? Yes. About? <laughs> <laughs> I've already got the next three books planned. So oh, there's okay. that. We're definitely so a lot of <laughs> a lot of very angry men have been in my inboxes since the uh, publication of She is the Ancient being like, you had an opportunity to do something with Elizabeth Bathory and you chose to like ruin Strahd instead. And I was like, yes, I did. You're welcome. Uh, also, actually, that's a great idea. I should definitely also do an Elizabeth Bathory.
scary things. So um, that is on the dog. I'm like, not because you told me to. Because I liked the idea. Thank you. I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to do that. And you're not invited. Um, <laughs> so we've got a uh, Elizabeth Bathory inspired vampire campaign in the same universe as Daughter of Frankenstein that is already in the works, as well as a book that is all like, I haven't named it yet, but it is uh, Tempest inspired. So it's like folk horror and, but like with a lot of, I love plant horror. So it's going to be you know, like the traditional folk horror with the, I love cults, um, cults and covens and um, secret villages and all of the supernatural stuff that goes with that genre, as well as lots of plant horror added in because I just I love it so much. And that's actually what I'm going to run for the castle this year for my my campaign is going to be the folk horror, plant horror one. So. Oh my God. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I'd say I think folk horror is my favorite. It is. Just... Oh my God. Like, I feel like most women can just, like, we just immediately connect with that content. We're like, yes. (laughs) Witches. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's so, I love it so freaking much. So, yeah, very excited about that one. (laughs) Well, Beth, if people want to find you and Daughter Frankenstein and the university and all of the cool things that we've talked about (laughs) and all the cool things we didn't get to talk about, where should they go? So I try to keep BethTheBard.com updated. It's not updated, but now I'm going to get off this call. I'm going to go update it. It's kind of where I try to put everything that's going on. But otherwise, uh, Frankenstein5e.com will take you straight to the Kickstarter page. TTRPGUniversity.com is where that resource is. And then uh, SheIsTheAncient.com will take you to the She is the Ancient page on DMs Guild. And... I think that's all we've got going on right now. I've got a Discord uh, for Bardhouse Media that I'm trying to kind of build up and get going slowly but surely as I have the time. Uh, I don't have a link that's easy to remember for that, but it can be found probably through bettthebard.com, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, I will put the links that I do have in the show notes. (laughs) So sorry. Amazing. Uh, Beth, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. We are going to wrap up the interview portion of this now. But for those of you who are new to the show, I'm about to go and record another fun segment real quick for Patreon, where we're going to do a quick question blitz. And it's just going to be some fun, silly questions. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is exclusively for patrons. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. You just finished another episode of Roll, Play, Grow. To check out the show notes and transcript from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account, or at Ketra RPG for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. You can also find me on Patreon at Roll, Play, Grow. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Roll, Play, Grow.